got a bit of an announcement here to kick off uh, this episode. People have been saying for a while now, got to get better audio equipment. I hear you. I hear you. It's going to cost a little bit of money to do that, especially um, the type of equipment that we want to get. We want to get some good equipment, top of line equipment, so we have to keep buying new stuff and selling the old stuff, trading in, trading out. Also, want to get this bad boy back onto YouTube, but want to do it the right way. You know, I don't, again, I don't want to waste money. Um, so, we're trying to land a sponsor, got ourselves one, and it had to be good because when people think King of the Lifts, they think high end. You know, if you get featured on King of the Lifts, it's because you're, you're a quality lifter, elite level lifter. You're not just at a local level. You get on the podcast, same thing, and those are the only competitions we cover. So, we wanted high-end company as well. Couldn't just take whoever raised their hand. We'd be very careful about this. I take this seriously. So, Fusion Muscle Supplement Company is now officially a sponsor of King of the Lifts. And because of that, we're going to start seeing some improvements around here. You know, in terms of quality, in terms of even on all social media platforms, we got a little bit of money to work with. And about Fusion Muscle, go to FusionMuscle.com. I mean, they got whatever the hell you want. You want pre-workout, you want multivitamins, you want creatine, whatever. They have it. And I personally have used it. I know my man, who's also a co-host here and been on the show several times, Kafwi, has used it. And he actually was using, he was a sponsored athlete of Fusion Muscle leading up to the IPF World Championships uh, where he broke that deadlift record. And um, if you heard the last episode, uh, it's quite the story. But anyways, so very happy about uh, the new sponsor, Fusion Muscle. Check them out at FusionMuscle.com. Please do, because, um, yeah, they're helping us pay the bills. And they're helping us expand in terms of the quality of audio we're going to bring. I'm already looking at different audio technicians to come on and start setting it up. And I see the prices, and woo-wee, I'm glad I get to float that bill to our boys at Fusion Muscle. <laughs> I tell you that right now. I'm glad that is not coming out of six-pack Lapidat's end. I tell you that. Man, audio equipment is not cheap. And these guys do not work for free. Believe me, I asked them. They said, no dice. Hey, man, it's a great experience. Hey, man, go fuck yourself. That's what they told me. But anyways... So, uh, yeah, we're going to up our, our audio quality, and uh, you're going to see a lot more going around. So go check out FusionMuscle.com and check out the supplements. And with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Six-pack Lapidat. I got my man Robbie Little for this one, but this show isn't little, my friend. We got <laughs> a heavy hitter on this one, and um, you showed up and confessed to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little nervous for this one. I might be a little bit quiet for this. One. I might just be <laughs> sitting enough. Well, I mean, I know I I've, we we heard Lane Lane can talk. It, yeah. He could tell the story. Here's the thing that I think is underappreciated is um, Lane Norton's story. Oh yeah. And we he has a lot of content. If you want to talk dieting, diet advice, do's don'ts, critiquing all the million different diets out there, etc. So much content is out there. You know, and, and driven, and in terms of individuals giving it, none better. The guy, the guy's top of the line. Well, yeah, that's 
Yeah, everything's out there on Instagram, on his website. Uh, what, He's got a bunch of really good stuff out there. And and, and for decades, mm-hmm. okay, like oh, yeah. you like archives. There's no shortage. Um, but Lane Norton's story, <laughs> my friend, is a phenomenal story. You know, the Lane right. Norton story, it doesn't get told properly. And some people, because um, powerlifting is growing exponentially, uh, every year the amount more lifters, it's freaking, it's staggering. I, um, I'm privy to some of the viewership the IPF stream gets, and every year it's just more and more, and it's staggering. And some of these new lifters coming in might not know. Some people right. came in the last few years, and they might not have been around for all these experiences or know fully. Be like, let me let, let me tell you on the story. Yeah, you don't always see all that on Instagram. You see a little bit of a clip, but you don't hear yeah. the story in its rawest form. In its rawest form. And um, so I wanted Lane to come on here and, um, you know, I wanted to get into his, his actual story, you know, and dig deep. And, and this guy's been there at the highs and lows, valleys and peaks. And, um, you know, nobody's earned the right more to hit that platform and, and celebrate, you know, when you hear a story. Yeah, it's really inspirational because what he's been through man it's uh i mean he, he i mean he does write books obviously but when this is all said and done his autobiography will be phenomenal you know his autobiography is going to be a phenomenal one um and i hope you know but the, he's, he's only i think he's 37 so he's got you know he's got to wait a little <laughs> bit before you write an autobiography because there's some more story to go for sure i mean I, i've read so many autobiographies of sports people and there's like the Andre Agassi syndrome where guys get that second win, you know, uh, when he, when Agassi hooked up with Steffi Graf and all of a sudden he got a second win and I'm not even a tennis fan. I don't give a shit about tennis. I read that autobiography in like three days, man. And for me, that's a record. Okay. Some people, three days, but that's good. And, um, dude, I blew through it and it was phenomenal. It's his second win and what he went through that you would have no idea what he, what did he go through between his first win and second win? You read it and you're like, holy <laughs> shit and you have a newfound respect for every win and grand slam he got and how he went out and the injuries Agassi went through and um on like a private side openly in the public eye the divorce the whole it was crazy what he went through to come through in the second win and that's stuff that you can't really share when you're at the top well <laughs> it's it's well it's easy 2020 hindsight yeah. like, whereas um and that's where i see like I see these parallels in sports stories, and I absolutely love it. And um, and that's where I've seen I've seen Lane from the get go, man. And um, I want to come, I want to bring him on here, and let's 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 dive into this story from the get go. Before everybody found you in in the U.S. Raw Nationals, and that was really the coming out party uh, for powerlifting, anyways. And, and let's let's dig in, let's dig in, because he's an he's an old school war horse with some old school war stories and the names involved in the stories are now legendary. Guys like L.S. McLean, Bryce Lewis, our IPF world champions, guys like Mike T, Ben Escrow are like the best of the best coaching now. He was with a Ben Escrow when he was just getting started in powerlifting. Now Ben Escrow's got how many world champions under his belt with the strength guys? The last world championships, the best lifter award went to his athlete um, from the strength guys. Like, but he's, he's got these guys before. Like, they, you know, these are like the, the premier, like the names he's got. And I love that stuff. And I love when you sit down with an old war horse and be like, let's talk about some of your old war stories. And he's going to drop some stories for us that nobody's ever heard. You know, before, before these guys are the legend. It's like one of those X-Files, um, when they do the, uh, what do they call it? Like the Wolverine origin story. There we go. It's yeah. an origin story yeah. for a lot of these characters. It's like the prequel. 
It's a prequel. <laughs> He's going to tell you, because I know, because I, I asked Ben, and I've talked to Ben, that's girl, about it. He's going to tell you about it. And, um, and you're going to have some origin stories of some of these guys, man. Um, and it's interesting, and I love it. So without no further ado, I don't want to blab on too much because um, I think we all know, but we don't all know what he's about to drop in terms of the, the, the legendary stories he's got. So let's get Lane Norton on the phone right now. And we have none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Lane <laughs> Norton. How are you feeling, sir? I feel great. Happy to be on here. I'm honored that you guys want to have me on here. Honored to have you, my friend. And um, I know you're actually. I, I secretly paid to be on here. <laughs> this is actually a paid advertisement, and we appreciate <laughs> that. We appreciate that, Len. Uh, there, Lane. We we need the we need the money for the audio equipment. Um, <laughs> but uh, so very interesting because for anyone following powerlifting, um, and the classic division really started up around two two thousand thirteen. Yep. And once the classic division opened up in powerlifting, in terms of North America at least, it was like boom goes the dynamite. And people started coming in from all these different federations. Um, I know myself, I started powerlifting around 2007. And um, everyone started converging underneath the IPF banner. And you were one of those gentlemen. And the it felt like the talent pool in a couple of years just completely swolled. And we had stars emerge, and you were one of them. And I still remember people telling me about, like, have you heard about Lane Norton? And this is when powerlifting is really gaining a lot of steam. And yeah. um, then everybody starts back-checking. Like, oh, damn, he's a powerlifter. And, and obviously everything you've got in terms of uh, the social media following and, and YouTube and working with um, bodybuilding.com. But um, so I like to catch everybody up to that point when you really came to the forefront with powerlifting. And then we can get into that portion of the story. But... Um, in terms of the background before that, uh, because 2013 wasn't a hell of a long time ago. No. For a guy in his 30s, too, there's a whole lot of background story before the rest of the world got to know you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I got into lifting um, for bodybuilding. Uh, basically, I, I, for non, uh, for very, very uh, unheroic uh, reasons, I wanted to get stop getting picked on and get more attention from girls so <laughs> um and that was about uh you know 1998 1999 when i was in high school and uh, now i'm dating myself so you guys can do the math um and then when i got to college i really got into bodybuilding to my first bodybuilding show in 2001 when i was 19 i won that really got deep into natural bodybuilding at the time it was very very small um but i had a at the same time, I was doing a bachelor's in biochemistry, and I was writing articles for bodybuilding.com. And uh, around 2007, I got my own series on bodybuilding.com called Inside the Life of a Natural Pro, because I won my, my natural pro card. Um, and that kind of brought me, I guess, a little bit more to the forefront. Uh, it was the most popular video series on bodybuilding.com for a few years. And I think we had something like 40-some episodes. Hmm. And um, so that's where people kind of got to know me at first, and then like... I got really into coaching, so I was one of the first, before everybody on Instagram did coaching, I was online coaching like back in 2005 for nutrition and training. And that kind of got me more popular, and um, you know, I, I did, so my first idea I had an encounter with powerlifting was I was always pretty strong for a bodybuilder. Um, and I had 
uh, there was a few powerlifting message boards I kind of posted on because that's how I really got my start was posting on message boards. For those of you who are too young to remember, I remember. this was so- this yeah. was social media for lifters before we had social media. Yeah, the only way you could get results from shit was people on message boards. It was brutal. I, yes, yes, it was. I, like even to get the results from the Olympia, it was like either you waited for Flex Magazine to come out or you were on the yeah. message boards finding out what happened. I shit you not. I was telling people, some people had some comments, and I mean early 20s, you know, your product of your generation, you get used to certain things. The IPF's sure. got, like the amount of money the IPF drops for their live stream, like now they have so many cameras, it's oh. ridiculous. And yeah, it's, I, would, I would bet it's probably over $50,000 is my guess. Oh, it's more, but I, I, I don't know yeah. if I'm allowed to even give the number, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so I was telling people, I remember when I was on, I think it was Powerlifting Watch, and they just showed the scoreboard, so, you know, red or, or green, and I would fucking refresh it every couple yeah. of minutes to see if my buddy at the Arnold Classic, how he did, <laughs> and I was looking at the scorecard, and it just hit refresh every couple of minutes. That was my live stream. It's, yeah. it's a whole other generation. But, yeah, and then, you, and then you got camera phones, and people were like, oh, my God, you can actually get lifts online, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like that... I kind of started thinking about it, but back then it was there was really no raw powerlifting. Yeah. You you could do raw, but it was kind of just a. It's not like it is now. Raw was completely an afterthought, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't have anything against guys who compete in gear. That's that's it's just a different kind of lifting. Um, but it just wasn't something I was really interested in. And at that time, my focus was bodybuilding, but. Um, I was starting in 2004, I started doing my PhD and I knew, uh, I won my pro card in 2006 and I wanted to take the time off to finish my PhD before I complete competed in bodybuilding again, cause it just took a lot out of me. So I started toying with the idea around 2007 to do powerlifting because I thought, well, you know, I'll just go into a meet and I won't wear a suit and I'll just do whatever, you know, I actually tore my pec. Uh, when I started training for powerlifting, because um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, um, I had surgery, repaired it, was fortunate enough to recover from that. That was actually my first comeback. So what? actually my first comeback was in 2002 oh. when I had two two herniated discs from rugby, came back from that. I was told I would never lift heavy again. Wow. So the, the comeback's been happening for a while. <laughs> That's, right. That's why people are like, oh, he's done. And I'm just like, Fuck, you guys don't know much about me, do you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was actually an 18 month recovery process. That pec tear recovery was a lot longer. Holy smokes. Um, 18 months. That sounds like a, it must've been totally detached. So it was a total detachment. And it was a total detachment inside the muscle. It wasn't tearing the tendon from the bone, which is actually a, a pretty straightforward surgery where they, they basically just staple it back, the tendon back to the bone. Mm-hmm. The tendon is a pretty hardy tissue. Uh, muscle is like trying to sew hamburger back together. Um, is what my surgeon said. So I got lucky. I got a really great surgeon. Shout out to Dr. Michael Corcoran. He repaired that. And then as I um, started recovering from that, I still had a few years left before I was going to compete again in bodybuilding. And I just found it hard to stay like really motivated for training if I didn't have something that I was going to compete in, you know? And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm not going to do bench press because, you know, I got to recover from this pec thing. But I was, you know, getting pretty strong on my squats, and I was getting pretty strong on my deadlifts. I had, I had already deadlifted over 600 pounds. I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just do a meet, and I'll just skip the bench press. So I did this meet. Um, it was 11 months to the day after I had my pec repaired. It was actually, uh, it was on, uh, it was on February 14th, 2009. 
I remember this because it was on Valentine's Day. I was going to say, that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was called uh, The Crush Cupid, and it was an APA meet in Indianapolis. So I went in, uh, and at that time, like, so there was raw divisions, but, like, I'm going to be real. If you wanted to set a world record, you could find a division to set a world record yeah. in, right? Yeah. Like, this is the age of powerlifting. There was an alphabet soup of organizations, and yeah. they all had a place you'd get a record. So I saw that the world record in deadlift for raw 220-pound class or 100-kilo class was 630-pound deadlift, which now there's freaking 18-year-old kids pull that all the time. Yeah. But that was kind of – I just I knew I wasn't the strongest 220-pound lifter in the world, but that I just used that as motivation. So uh, I went in. I think I squatted like 520. Um, again, not knowing what the hell I was doing. I was still high bar squatting. Um, they let us use knee wraps in the APA for raw. Um and uh, did that and then did a uh, 645-pound deadlift, skip bench press. So you could skip, so, like you did a token bench? Or did they let you skip? No, I, d- I didn't even do it at all. Oh, I didn't shit. do it at all. And they let you hold your world record in this federation? Yeah, well, that AP. You know, <laughs> no hate. There we no go. No hate. You know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's not like it is now where, I, well, some organizations still don't give a shit. They'll yeah. do whatever. But, yeah. Um, so then I, I waited six months. That was that felt like the 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 feeling I got in a meet. I love bodybuilding, but it was different because it was like, okay, in bodybuilding you lift weights, you lift weights, you lift weights, but then the day you compete, you're not lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still difficult. It's physically demanding. People, whether believe it or not, posing is actually pretty damn physically demanding under hot lights when you're when you've been dieting for fucking six months. Yeah. Uh, sorry, can I say that? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, so, um, so. I really like that. I like that aspect of having to perform and, you know, it's a little bit less, it's more objective, right? Like you could say, well, squat depth is subjective and this stuff is, but it's way more objective than bodybuilding, which is basically all didn't like the way your calf is shaped. You know what I mean? So uh, I admired that part of it. And I, you know, probably the ego part of me was like, well, fuck, if it's just about getting myself fired up and lifting somebody, I'll, I'll outwork anybody. I'll fucking crush anybody in the gym, you know? So uh, I did a meet uh, six months later. It was the APA again. I did take a token bench this time, which I did like 275. Uh, squatted 570, deadlifted 690. So back then, for all the people that bag on my sumo, this was conventional back then. So oh. I actually am legit, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. Um, and then um, – uh, about six months, five months later in December, uh, I did a, well, 699.96 pound deadlift. People like to remind me that it wasn't 700, uh, <laughs> 317 and a half kilos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, squatted like 567, bench like 330. So my total was like, like, I think like in the mid 1500s or whatever, which for raw in 220 back then was pretty darn good. Yeah. And I qualified for raw unity. Um, and decided that I wanted to do that because it was in Tampa. I was moving to Tampa. Uh, I did my PhD at Illinois. I was just finishing it up then and uh, went down. Of course, got stomped in Raw Unity because that's Cause it's not rum. tested. Yeah, that's rum, right? Is that what there was? Right. It was right. rum three. Okay. So, yeah, they had all oh, – oh, yeah. um, that's like Dan Green yeah. and those boys. Dan Green, Jeremy Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Dan Green didn't hadn't done it yet, but Jeremy Hamilton was in that year, and I think he won that year in the 220 class. Um and, but I remember – so that was back when the USAPL actually sent a team to rum. And you, I remember watching Dave Ricks being like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, what? They right? did? 
Did they not know what they were signing up for? No, they did. They wanted to prove that they were better than everybody else. I remember seeing Susie Hartwig, Gary there, everybody. And they won. They won. They, they had a – so oh, the way Rum tried to get everybody to come in was – so the way the USAPL justified it was they tested everybody that went. Okay. Right? Okay. And this was back in 2010. So they tested everybody that went. Um, and they also um, – they just – they just wanted to prove that they were better than How everybody else. How wild is that? I can't even. Can you imagine this day and age being like, "Fuck it, no. we're sending Russell Orhe to U.S. Open and let's see him and John Hack." Ru-. Like that would be. I would love it. But that yeah. is wild that they did that. Yeah. Um, so th- so they did, and I think it, I think the the I think they wanted to prove a point. Um, so yeah, and they actually won the the organizational trophy for the wow. best organization, which at drug tested it kind of made me taking an attention, being like, holy shit! Yeah. Now the APA, I entered the drug tested APA organ like division. I was never drug tested. <laughs> it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm drug free, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, from there, I I quit powerlifting. Well, didn't quit, but I was I started to get ready for my first pro bodybuilding shows. Um, did those in 2010, did really well. I finished in the top five in all those shows and I actually won one of the shows, um, which was awesome. And then I, I moved down to Tampa. I started, I didn't start my business. I started my business when I was in grad school, but kind of expanded my business and whatnot. And then, um, I kind of did a few more meets, uh, a few raw United meets and, um, just, I, I got a few like uh, I had a I had a bad experience at one of the Raw United meets. I I I felt I was kind of targeted as um, like uh, my, now looking back, my squat depth was not super deep, but there were people at the meet who were squatting way higher than me that yeah. were getting passed. And, and do you think? Do you think so? Just for a quick catch up, at by this point was the social media because social media wasn't what it is today in terms of Instagram, etc. Facebook's around, YouTube's around, but it's not crazy big. But how did you, like, how did you get on bodybuilding.com and how did this just blow up like that? Like, how did, because now the inroads are a lot more difficult to get on. Yeah, so, well, I never really blew up. It was a slow, steady climb, you know. Um, I, uh, back in 2001, when I was getting ready for my first bodybuilding show, uh, I was on the bodybuilding.com message boards. Now, this was back when the message board was literally a scrolling topics yeah. that if you posted something in September, you had to scroll all the way back up to find the thread <laughs> and then see if somebody had replied to it. That yeah. is so old school. So <laughs> uh, I just kind of got known on those forums as a guy who knew stuff. And a couple people had said to me, you should ask about writing for the main site. So I just emailed the people who ran this. Uh, they, they gave me the name. Uh, I, I befriended uh, a guy named uh, Jason Kaliva, who's actually a professor at uh, Coastal Carolina University now, but he was one of the uh, teambodybuilding.com writers, mm-hmm. and his, his moniker was Big Red because he's a ginger. <laughs> but uh, he put me in touch with the guy who uh, dealt with articles for the site. They said, sure, we'll give you $25 credit for every 1,000-word article you wrote, and that was my end. That's how I started. You know, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Hell yeah. Like, Fuck, $25 and yeah, four You're a professional writer. I'm rich. Yeah, you're you a know? professional writer too. Yeah, you know, a lot of people so, die for that. Um, that's how it all got started. I mean, I guess if I had to, to, to say something to those out there listening, like if you want to do something, you want to get yourself noticed or, or whatever it is, like you got to be willing to, like, as cliche as it sounds, grind. 
and like start small. Yeah. Like you're not. I saw something. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk had a really good. He was talking to somebody, and this guy was like wanted to do music or whatever. He's like, message 500 producers, tell them you will work for free, and do anything. Go get them coffee, whatever it is. Just get in. Yeah. Get in somehow. Yeah. That's how I did. I mean, shit. I ended up being the announcer at the Olympia for two years. Oh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was it, kind it, of a bodybuilding highlight. And you used probably everything you had done before that um, to get onto that platform. So you would right. say like all the all the articles you did, all the videos you did, obviously very knowledgeable. And you use that resume, and now you have the right. credibility. And I was an early adopter of social media, so I got on Facebook like I think like 2004, 2005. Oh. Uh, I was on. I got on Twitter early, like 2008. I got on Instagram pretty early, 2011. You know, so I was an early adopter of those sort of platforms, and I never had like a meteoric rise. There never was like, I would say the closest thing I got to going viral was like I put out a few YouTube video series on um, like dieting and metabolic adaptation and, and some popular topics, and I got a lot of subscribers on YouTube pretty quick. But it wasn't like I went from like 10,000 subscribers to like 40,000 subscribers in a year's time or something. So yeah. I never had like a a viral blow up sort of thing. It's just been a kind of a, a steady climb. I've had bumps here and there, like being on the Joe Rogan podcast gave me a pretty good bump, you know? Um, but yeah, like it's funny. People like, like they'll ask, they'll, they'll like, Oh, I've been following you forever. I've been following you since like 2014. I'm like, bro, I already fucking made it in 2014. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're Johnny come like, lately. You're Johnny come late 2014. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, bro. Now I'll get some people who will who know my moniker on the bodybuilding.com forums, and they'll oh. like be like, "Oh, straight flexed." I'm like, "Now that's an OG." You're, yeah, right yeah, there. you're okay. You're that's real. an OG that's right. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, getting getting back to it, um, I so after I finished my bodybuilding shows, I knew I wanted to take a long off season, which is still ongoing, <laughs> um, and I wanted to get back into powerlifting. And my my immediate goal was to squat 600 pounds because I had missed it at Raw Unity. Um, and I hit 585. So, uh, like I, I focused on that. I ended up squatting like 610 in the gym. My next raw United meet, I hit 615 and I worked actually, um, I worked with, uh, Dr. Mike Zordos, who's one of the, um, he competed in USAPL and also, um, he does a lot of research on daily undulating periodization. So a lot of the, the stuff we use today for programming, Mike was the one doing that research. And um, Mike started putting in my ear the idea of competing in the USAPL. And I had, you know, I'm a very animated guy when I lift, and I'd heard all these horror stories about, oh, USAPL, they make you be quiet, and you can't get fired up, and all this kind of stuff. And Mike's like, no, that's that's bullshit. Yeah. He's like, just, just don't have, like, ammonia out on the platform, you know, that kind of stuff. And he, can, he was putting on a meet. So I'd, I'd had that bad experience with Raw United, like, and I think it was 2012, um, I felt like I'd kind of been unfairly targeted. Whether or not that's the reality, who knows, right? Yeah. That was just my feeling. But <laughs> I got uh, – it was the first time I'd ever uh, – well, I didn't bomb out. I got my opener squat, but then I got red-lighted on subsequent squats. And I've, I've had a few red lights here and there, and, but I'm not known as somebody who cuts it, cuts it high typically. I'm, if you look at – especially my world record squat, I fucking buried that thing. Yeah. Um, so – like, I kind of, I didn't complain at the meet. I didn't say anything about this. I think this is the first time I've even talked about it. I just, but I, when I got in my car, I was like, fuck, 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 <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I, I kept what it all until the then. Where was the jury? I couldn't go to the jury. They probably didn't have a jury. It's probably just, yeah. <laughs> so, 
But I was kind of like, all right, well, I had a bad experience there. Why don't we try USAPL and let's, you know, nail this. And uh, um, I had missed a – I'd gone for a, a 645 squat and gotten red-lighted. I thought it was good. Um, so Mike was holding a meet at FAU. And actually Mike Tushir was going um, and a few other people I knew. So I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot, whatever. Mike's running it, so it'll be, I know it'll be fun. And I think Robert Keller put it on, actually. And um, got down there. I hit uh, a 612 squat, a 380. 391 bench and a 677 deadlift. Shortly after that, Matt Gary actually emailed me and he was like, Hey, I know you're kind of dabbled in the USAPL, but here's what the guys at Classic Nationals did last year and Classic Worlds. So you'd actually win nationals um, and, or you'd be close to winning nationals and you would have been like top 10 in worlds. And, and what year was this? This would have been 2013. Okay, now we're getting ground. Okay. So I had qualified for all national. This was the last year that they had the 100 kilo class. And the next year they were switching over to 105 and 93. Mm -hmm. So I had a decision to make about, all right, am I going to go 93? Am I going to go 105? And my total qualified me for either because they kind of grandfathered in the old division. And I looked at the totals and I, I was like, you know what? I think I can maintain my strength and move down to 205 because I never, I never was even a big 220. I usually was like 218, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I moved down to 93 and going into raw nationals that was in Denver that year. So the year before, I think they had like 150 people and in Denver they had 500. Holy shit. You, so you're like, wow, I came at the wrong time or, yeah, or the so, right time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So no, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Right. Like I love competition. Like at the meets before I'd either been like one by a mile or there was a Mike Tushier who like, or a yeah. fucking Tony Conyers or something who just crushed everybody, you know, and that was powerlifting at the time. Uh, for people who don't know at that time, there was far fewer people. Hey, and then so many federations were divided. Yeah. If you had five best. people in your weight class in your crazy. weight and division, you were, that was really competitive. Yeah. Right. So I've got like, you know, in the open 93 kilo class, there's like over 50 people. Yeah. And I knew my main competition was going to be Ellis McLean and, um, and Bryce Lewis. So that's when Bryce was in 93s. And, um, so I, I, but I, I had a, Ben Escrow was my coach and he did a great job. You know, they both, so I'd only done one USAPL meet at this time. USAPL people didn't really know me, you know, in fact, Gino was the announcer when I was there and Gino, like, so you know how just, Gino's great. I fucking yeah. love Gino. Love him. But he's like, I hit my first squat. I had the highest opening squat in my division, which was, I like, think, like uh, 584. And Gino's like, what? Who is this guy? He has a PhD? What? So by the, by the last lift, by the last lift, I was going for the, the – so the world record in squat at the time was uh, 300 kilos or 661. And I was going for 295, 650 pounds, which was going to be a national record. So by this time, like, you know, Gino's up on the table, like, yeah, he's you're, not, you're not in the fast lane, you're yeah. in the bio lane. Oh, shit. Now he's all on board. He's all on board now. Oh, he's great. So um, I hit the 650 squat and um, LS hit a 606, which, you know, LS is a huge bencher. Yes. So I tried not to think too much about that. I just wanted to hit, I just wanted to go six for six and see where we're going to be at deadlift wise, mm-hmm. you know? Um he had a 606 squat. It was, it was funny. And we didn't know LS. Um, he seemed like a nice guy. And now, like, LS is just a great guy. He's a lovely person. 
Uh, but it was funny because and, and Ryan Doris and him are now friends. But Ryan Doris was backstage with me. He didn't know LS. And it's funny. I'm not like a people see me get fired up in the gym. I'm not angry at all. Like I'm just fired up. Right. Um, and I don't get like like uh, territorial thing. But yeah. <laughs> so LS hits his 606 squat, which at the time was a, a PR for him. And his team's all fired up and they're like they're like jacked up and they're coming back. And Ryan looks at me and he goes, fuck that motherfucker. He's like, we're about to come down. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you've ever met Ryan, but he's a really chill guy. Yeah. Really chill. But um, yeah, I got fired up. Went out. I don't think I've ever told that story. LS, uh, Ryan had nothing personal against you, man. He's, you know, Ryan. But, um, but um, so I went out, hit that squat. And I remember just seeing social media like in between – because we had a lot of time in between like squat and bench press. Um, social media kind of blow up with what the fuck? Lane Norton hit a 650 squat, you know, this and that. And um, I think Johnny Candido put it up on his channel pretty quickly and it got a lot of attention. So then we went to bench press. So I was in first place after squat. Then it was like back in sixth place after bench press because I got team long arms. Yeah, um, yeah I feel the struggle. So um, – but uh, and by that time, Bryce Bryce missed a couple squats and was kind of out of it. Uh, but he did come back and hit a nice 700 pound deadlift, which was his PR in the 93s. Now he's a fucking animal hitting yeah. 800 pounds. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically, um, I remember LS missed his first deadlift, like actually like hitched it and missed it. I don't even think he locked it out. And I remember thinking, fuck, I'm going to win this thing right here, like on my opening lift, right? So I go out, I'm all jacked up, and I start to pull it. I get, I stand up, put it down, and I get reds. And I look at Ben, I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Ben's like, come here, come here, come here, come here. He's like, don't get pissed off on the platform. Yeah. And I hadn't locked my shoulders back. And I went back and looked at the video, and it was a – he's like, listen, you're new to, you're new to the USAPL. They're going to make they're, – they're going to make you take it from their national champ. They're going to – because LS was – or no, he wasn't the national champ that the had, previous year. Yeah. But he, because I don't think he ever won a national championship, right? I think so. I thought for the longest time he's the only guy who had won the IPF Worlds, but never won the U.S. Nationals. Matt Gary, who's a freaking encyclopedia yeah. of powerlifting, yeah. messaged me after I said that on one of the podcasts or whatever. He's like, actually, you know, Ryan. So he won. I <laughs> he either won 2012 or or 2013. It must. I yeah. think it was the year before me. Okay. So. So anyways, it ended up I needed um, – there was one other guy who was kind of in the mix. Oh, and um, – oh, uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his know, name. I know who you're talking um, about. Big he, puller. Garrett. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big puller. And Ben was like – he's like 683. We're going 683. That's what you need to win. And Ben is a master at attempt selection. And I'd hit 705 in the gym, so I felt pretty confident about it. But I was a little bit jittery after that first one. So you, you so, had, had you, did you increase on your second without one in like a safety? So Ooh. typically, typically they say wow. you take your opener over. Yeah. But ben, now, Ben was like, I know you. I know you're technically sound. I'm not worried about it. We're going to go 661. So we went 661 for my second, hit it. Um, and then went 683 for my third and hit it. And then, like, I remember being uh, – LS ended up hitting uh, one of his deadlifts, but uh, that put me past him. And I remembered him uh, – I remembered uh, being really nervous about Garrett, but Ben was like, he's not going to get it. He's, not, he's like, it's 25 kilos more than he's ever hit. He's not going to get it. So, like, kind of anti-ceremonial that I had to wait for somebody else to, yeah. to get it before <laughs> I, I won. But 
So that was cool because nobody really knew me that much in USAPL and that qualified me for Worlds. And I, I didn't even really know much about like qualifying for Worlds. I was just like, wanted to win this Nationals thing, you know? It was yeah. just, I'm just in the offseason for bodybuilding. I want to like do this powerlifting thing. I want to add to this. I remember exactly what you're talking about and remember seeing the video of you after hitting it, stomping around the platform, super excited. And there was like, um, there was a tangible excitement around you. Uh, because oh, yeah. the social, like, we didn't have a lot of powerlifters with any kind of social media background yet. Right. You know, now yeah. there is, sure, but at the time, no. People were excited about this. And I, and I got to say, like, sometimes you get that and people, like, they'll see somebody come in who has kind of a big following already and they'll, they'll be jealousy or whatever. I, I was very much welcomed. Like, I felt very welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, hit, uh, you know, did all that. Uh, three hours later after my drug test, <laughs> talked to everybody, you know, it was a great experience. And, and Matt and Gary just walks right up to me. You know how direct Matt is. And Matt's yeah. like, so are you going to Worlds? And I'm like, <laughs> I look at I look at Ben and I go, "Where?" I'm like, where's Worlds? He's like, Finland. And I look at Ben, I'm like, you want to go to Finland? And he's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I'm like, ben, all right, I guess we're going to Finland. <laughs> was Ben, and he's with the strength guys now, so they have like Taylor Atwood, Eli Burks, like, yeah. So Ben was your coach at the time. Did he handle program? Were you guys like yep. a little bit of everything Both. or? Both. Okay. Both. So gotcha. He was my programmer handler. So I had actually coached Ben for bodybuilding six years before that. That's how ah. I knew Ben. So uh, things come full circle. Ben was on the bodybuilding.com message boards too. Oh no shit. Okay. Yes. He didn't absolutely. tell me this. He told me you guys worked together. He didn't tell me how you guys met and everything. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, and I kind of like, I don't want to say I took Ben under my wing, but like we got pretty close and like, yeah, he's just a smart guy and I trusted him with my programming. And I also, you know, by the, by, you know, worlds or, or anything after that, I knew that if Ben put something on the bar, I was strong enough for it. I just had to execute so that when you have that kind of confidence in your coach, it really helps a lot. Yeah. So then I decided I was going to, I stupidly did a meet, uh, a local meet. Because it was close and I'd done it before. I won, but it probably took more out of me than I should have. Uh, and then I started getting ready for the Arnold. I actually, the first time I injured my lower back was a week out from the 2015 Arnold. Um, I just noticed my back was feeling tight on deadlifts, but it was my last heavy sets before the Arnold. Finished them, and the next day I couldn't even hardly move. Oh. Um, yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad. It was the first time. That was probably the bulge disc being ag- aggravated. So I was just like, well, shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, do this meet. And um, I've always talked about my injuries. I've always talked about my setbacks. Some people think I'm being dramatic. Some people think I'm whining. I'm not looking for sympathy. I talk about it because I know that there's other people who go through this, that hearing somebody else. Let me tell you what. If you think any of your favorite powerlifters haven't suffered through injuries, you're fucking kidding yourself. Okay. If if you've never been injured, you haven't lifted heavy long. Yeah. That's it. Okay. I'm sure there's rare exceptions, but for the most part, everybody's dealt with it. Most people just don't talk about it because it's not glamorous. It's not fun. And then you've got to listen to fucking know-it-alls tell you why you got injured, what you did wrong. And it's like, bro, you're not even in the arena. You don't even know about this shit. Don't fucking talk to me about being injured. So... Yeah. Anyways, that I, I kind of talked about it, and um, I remember going in on the win. So I was competing on Friday, Friday, at the Arnold, and I went on a Tuesday, and I'm like, I'm just gonna see if I can. So the the pain I was feeling started on the Friday before, 
Saturday was really bad. Sunday was really bad. Monday got better. Tuesday, I'm like, I'm going to go in and see if I can hit my openers. If I can hit them, we're going. If not, then I'm going to pull out. Went in, hit my openers, felt fine, felt okay the next day, and went in and did it. That was probably one of the most emotional meets for me. So here's an interesting story, <laughs> and I'm, Ben's going to hate this story, but I'm going to tell it. <laughs> I'll tag <laughs> so we go in, we go into the we go into the Arnold, and the Arnold, and Matt Gary told me this. He's like, you can set the world record here for squat because this is a world-level meet, and you want to do yeah. it here on your home turf rather than go to Finland where you have all these variables and you don't know what can happen. He's like, set it here. So that was the plan. So we get in. I hit my first squat. I think I opened up it was like 606. Felt good. 634, next one. And I got off the platform. I look at Ben. I go, 666, you know. And Of all so, the numbers, too, which makes the story so much better. But <laughs> So I look up on the board – 300 661 and i'm like oh shit they get it wrong and Susie hartwood gary was standing next to my my ex-wife uh um wife at the time isabel and uh Susie like like stands up and she's like what is ben doing because <laughs> it was only gonna tie and on a tie you don't get the world record yeah you you like you it, chip it. it stays with the Right, exactly. Because so I'm thinking maybe the scorers made an error or something like that. So I go up to Ben. And I'm like, "Hey, we're we're going. That ties the record." And I just see Ben's face just like go. Oh no! White. Oh no! Just go absolutely <laughs> go oh, white. Shit! He never makes mistakes. This isn't no, Ben. but this is young in his coaching career yeah. as well. So yeah. this is like his his first Arnold. I think he maybe his second. He went to. So I, he like walks away. He knows the rules. He knows the rules. He knows I can't change it now. No, it's over. He comes back to me. He's like, well, uh, he tries to brush it off. He's like, well, we can't change it. So we're just going to go for the win. And I'm like, this actually was one of the most difficult mental things I've ever had to get over during a meet. No shit. Because it's not like 661 was still more than I'd ever squatted. Yeah. And I got to go out there and do it. And now I've just had this big letdown of I can't set the world record. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, a lot of people would miss this lift because they'd be really disappointed, wouldn't 100%. get it. So you're going to fucking go get this lift right now. Um, and I went out, and it's it was probably the slowest squat I've ever completed. It's probably eight-second concentric. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it. Yeah. And it was what? actually really cool because there's video. I think uh, Chelsea lifts. She was uh, she was videoing from the back. And the like. I was remembered saying, fuck, there's that many people at a powerlifting meet? And the whole crowd just went fucking ballistic. It was like I set a world record. Yeah. So anyway, went through it. Um, you, you know, real quick, let me put this in. You know Ben's telling himself, please make it look like he didn't have a single kilo more in him. <laughs> He's probably hoping, please be a grinder. <laughs> was, but if it had been the world record, you bet your ass I would have got that. I probably, yeah, yeah. So... But I hurt my back on that squat. Um, I actually – so the bulge disc is what started. But on that squat, I got a little bit sideways. And I think that's – I actually caused a disc herniation. So now I'm dealing with the bulge disc and a disc herniation. But during a meet, that's not going to bother me because I'm jacked up on adrenaline. Yeah. So we get to deadlifts. And, of course, I'm back in sixth place like usual. Um, <laughs> so – Return to um, earth. Yeah. So we, we go to um, – so, and again, the same thing happens. I miss my opener. And oh, I'm like, man. at this point, I'm like, what the 
fuck? Like, are you serious? It's never easy. So, but that this one was a complete legitimate up down. Like, I just I got too fired up. I locked my knees too early and got a little bit off balance. Right. So, and LS had gotten better at his pulls by then, and Ben knew that if we didn't take a jump for our second, we wouldn't have enough left to take a jump for the third. So again, we went to 661 yeah. and got it. So now going into the last deadlift, we're tied with LS. Um, and Ben puts 694 on the bar. LS goes out, does his, and I remember thinking, all right, you, you get a chance to see how, how tough you are right now because you dealt with this injury a week out, You've had the whole squat thing. Go out and fucking win this. And you know what? I, I, huge props to Ellis McLean. You can still see the video. Ellis is over there on the side, fucking whooping it up, cheering me on. He's a, he's. A, I remember one time, uh, the next year at Raw Nationals, Ellis was going for a bench record, and I'm like, you know, part of me is like, oh fuck, I hope he missed. I'm like, but <laughs> the other part of I'm just being real. I'm just yeah, being real. No, like, but the other part of me is like, you go out there and you fucking clap for him and root him on. You know, yeah. and I did, I did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I hit the 694, you know, um, won the won the meet, and um, you know that was probably one of the most emotional. Like I cried after that deadlift because I just I didn't think there was any way earlier that week I was going to be able to do that meet. So, but I struggled with that injury all the way through Worlds training. I so that was in March. Worlds was going to be in June, and I I tried to like kind of work my way through it and couldn't really work my way through it. So I had to take like six weeks off of squatting and deadlifting. Oh, no. Yeah. So and didn't start squatting really till about five weeks out. And bench isn't where you're picking up your total kilos. No. <laughs> so, you know, and I remember – so Matt Gary had sent me an email about four weeks out. And he was breaking down all the lifters. In my, you know, Matt knows everybody. He's got right? dossier. Yeah. He's breaking it down. And I remember – like this is like a – five-page email, right? <laughs> and I love Matt Gary for he's this. He's such a powerlifting nerd. I love it. No, he's fabulous. Yeah. But he said something to me that I still remember and I love telling the story. He said, um, he said, um, you're nominated, you're going to be nominated seventh, I think. He's like, you can win a medal, but you have to be perfect. If you miss a lift, you're going to be out. And, and then at the end of the email, he says, train like your life depends on it. I was like, oh, don't fucking tell me that. Oh, don't shit. tell me that. Whoa, <laughs> shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not kidding you. When I put, like, once I was able to squat and deadlift again, I was putting in, like, four-hour training sessions. I mean, we Whoa. were trying to make up ground, right? I wanted that fucking squat world record. And um, the – but, like, I was not having good squat sessions. It did not feel good. And I was doing a lot of traveling, too. Like, I had a European, like, nutritional seminar tour – and you know, flying and being in hotels yeah. is not the best thing for a lower back. Yeah, you know, I, it was stupid of me to schedule it, but I'm somebody who thinks I can fucking do everything. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I I missed like legit exactly one month before Worlds. I missed a 565 pound squat, like first rep, first rep. <laughs> so th- this is getting too dramatic at this point. So, and I I. The day I missed it, I put it on my YouTube because I wanted to be accountable, right? Oh, now, shit. Matt Gary yeah, said, take that shit yeah. down. <laughs> so, um, that, and that was not like a, a Sun Tzu art of war, like appear <laughs> weak, appear weak when you are strong. That was just fucking weak, right? <laughs> so, um, but now to, to my, to my, I had been 
uh, I had flown overseas the day before. I didn't get any sleep the night before that lift. And, you know, still stupidly, I think I can go in and perform like normal. Um, and I remember calling Ben and being like, dude, this, this, I don't know if this is going to happen, you know? And he's like, well, we don't have to decide now, you know, just keep training and let's see what happens. So kept training gradually weight started to feel better. And the week before worlds, Ben's like, I know this isn't how we usually do it, but we're going to go and hit a really heavy single today. It's like, okay. So we went in and, uh, I did like a 605. We were doing like a mock meet working up to a second attempt. I did like a 605 opener and he's like, all right, 640. Whoa. And I'm like, shit. You're really going to see all your cards now. It's almost yeah. like you get so, nervous. Almost like, I don't know if I want to know. Or yeah, you know, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if you miss it, if you miss it now, real you're ahead, trouble. you know. Yeah. Because powerlifting, Matt Gary says this, and I agree with him. Powerlifting is not about who's the strongest person. It's yeah. about who the best powerlifter is. Yeah. And if you don't think there's mind games and shit that goes on, you right. are dead wrong. You have you're to believe on that day. And there's nothing worse than missing it a week out. Uh, that's why you almost be like, I don't know, I don't know. Well, fuck it. If you I missed, should, I missed a hundred pounds less than yeah, when I got a month out, and that yeah. was fucking hard enough to get yeah. over. You're like, Ben, I don't know if I, my heart can take this, but okay. So. I hit it. It was a grinder, but I remember thinking, if I can hit that in the gym, with all, I'm definitely getting this fucking world record, you know? So, um, yeah, I put in a, a few more really hard training sessions. And I always tell people, like, especially power, powerlifters, like, I'm like, there's so many things you can't control. Do the little things right. So I got to Finland on a Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I landed on a Tuesday. I wasn't competing until Saturday. And I went to the meet. I found out where the weight scales were, where the bathroom was, because that's really important to me, because I have to shit like 11 times on meat day. Um, <laughs> uh, I found out where the bathrooms were. I actually texted Ben. I'm like, oh, we're, we're in good shape. The bathrooms are like we're five feet from the warm-up room. We're in good shape. So good. if you see me at a meet, you'll just see me like hit a warm-up, leave. Hit a warm-up, leave. Right. Hit a warm-up, leave. You'll, and now you guys will know where I'm going. Okay. Um, so, so, uh, so did that like – had everything my weight was on point all this kind of stuff because i heard about like these guys that like go to worlds and then miss weight i'm like how the fuck are you gonna do that like like the way i looked at it is like i had to spend thousands of dollars to come over here this is a huge opportunity this is my fucking job yeah for this time period right yeah so anyway we get to meet day and actually so i always make sure that i'm when i was in the 205 class or 93 i would be under the day before i'd be under by like three pounds because I like to eat up into the meat. I want to feel fully fueled. And I got the last lot number. So I was the last person to weigh in. And I remember like, I'm sitting there drinking water, eating a pop tart. Cause I know I'm, as, as soon as we got to go, we got to go and start warming up. Cause I'm only going to have, I'm going to have less than two hours and I take a long time to get ready. So, and Susie looks at Susie, uh, Gary looks at me and she's like, Are you sure you should be drinking <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Historically uh, speaking, she probably sees a lot of people. She can I said, don't worry, Susie. I got this. Weighed in at 201.5. I was actually way under. Yeah. Um, so started warming up, um, you know, uh, got ready. Warm-ups felt good. I remember walking down and Ben looks at me. He's like, you got this today. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, baby. So one, of those, so one of those moments you're like, whoo, I yeah, believe Because Ben doesn't say stuff like that. Ben is not going to tell you something if it's not the truth. Yeah. If you're looking for like a big like attaboy gotcha, like you're not getting it from Ben. <laughs> so um, opened up with I think 606 again. I actually got a red light, um, which me and Ben were baffled by. It wasn't from depth. We found out later that uh, one of the judges – 
So when I take a breath, I would, and the bar would move. Yeah. And he was saying that that was an up and down movement of the bar. And it's, I believe it's written as a purposeful downward movement. Yeah. So, so anyways, um, and I got a red light on my second, which was, I think, 634. So anyway, it's uh, the three, 300 kilos is the world record. Uh, I only need 300.5, and I go back and look at my third attempt, and Ben's put in 303. And I'm like, are you sure about this, man? Because if we don't get this, I don't, I don't think I'd even get a medal on squat. Like, and I, like you said, I'm not making it up on bench, right? Yeah, yeah. This is all in so, right now, Ben. So, and Ben's like, I know, but you're not missing today. I was like, all right, let's go get this. And I have never been so fucking fired up in my life for a lift. <laughs> and I was like, I am not getting uh, – there's going to be no doubt about this lift. I am not getting called for depth. And I am not getting called for whatever the fuck they're calling me for out there. Yeah. So I like I made sure I calmed down my breathing, and nailed it. And it was the best fucking feeling. Like uh, I know it's been broken, and everybody like there's five year old kids who squat that now according to the internet <laughs> oh, and whatnot. Yeah. Wow. But still, at IPF Worlds, the biggest the biggest stage after everything I had gone through with my back and everything, I was fucking proud of that lift. And a gold medal on top of it with a world record. Uh, got a gold medal, got the world record, but it, so still got to seal it, right? So still got to seal it. So True. now I'm looking, I'm like, okay, I'm winning. And then after bench, I was in 11th place, like usual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, I was in sixth place. So we get the deadlifts and, um, you know, this is where the strategy really comes in. We could have gone 302 and a half kilos, Ben went ahead and took the half kilo jump because now if you're tied or close to tied, the other person's going to have to take a full two and a half kilo jump. And that's what ended up happening uh, for my last deadlift. And we put in a high deadlift. We put, I think we put in um, 327 and a half kilos or something like that. And then backed it down to 322 and a half kilos. Made him take a big jump because he was trying to – it was going to be between me, uh, the guy from France, and uh, the Brazilian guy to uh, get the – Silver and bronze. Co- like is it all Coimbra? Three was it Coim- David Coimbra? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, the the French guy missed his last deadlift. David missed his last deadlift. And so if I go out and hit the 7-Eleven, I've got silver. So I went out and hit 7-Eleven, got silver. That's the first time in my life I've ever gone nine for nine. Oh, that wow. first time. Perfect nine timing. Nine at, at IPF Worlds. And I've got this really cool picture of me. I still got it. It's like me. It's my back to the audience and my arms are straight up. And it was just like the perfect day. Now, I didn't win Worlds because Christoph Wiesbecki in my class. Yeah. I mean, I knew unless he bombed out, I wasn't going to win Worlds. Like, that's yeah. not me being down on myself. That's just like you're not pulling 150 pounds in your total out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, in fact, it was funny. Uh, we had a friend from Canada who who I'd known for a while. And when Kristoff uh, missed his last deadlift, but he'd already won, she started going nuts. She was like, holy shit, Lane. Holy shit, you won Worlds. I'm like, uh, <laughs> check, check the scoreboard. That's right. I, yeah. I'm only about 110 pounds <laughs> behind. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was uh, an amazing experience, and actually, one of the nicest things anybody's ever said was. So, Ben, I, I found him backstage. Ben's a big introvert. If you ever met Ben, he's a big introvert. Yeah. He's sitting down on a chair, and he's like, like starting to cry. And I'm like, "Hey, man, you okay?" I'm like, "We fucking did it!" And he looks at me, and goes, "How the fuck did you just do that?" <laughs> He's like, he's like, you were the guy with skinny legs that everybody made fun of 
on bodybuilding.com for how skinny your legs were, and you just squatted an IPF world record. What the fuck, Lane? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just the coolest thing. So that was, I mean, Finland was a uh, – were you in Finland? The the, I, the experience was, was awesome. That was the year before I started commentating. Then I started the I, next I, year. Yeah, so it was like the setup was amazing, all that kind of stuff. And then things kind of started to go downhill in terms of powerlifting. I won uh, 2015 Nationals. Um, but well, that was Jesse Norris won and then was disqualified afterwards for, uh, I think a banned fat burner or something like that. Yeah, um, so I got the invite for, for the worlds again, injured my hip, um, about six months before stupidly tried to work through it instead of letting it heal and had to withdraw from worlds. That was abs- That was probably one of the saddest days I've ever had just because like to be able to, like my parents were going to be able to go, you know, my family was going to be able to go. And they couldn't. Um, and then came back from the hip, was 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 about three-fourths of the way back, injured my back. And this was in 2016. Um, came back again, got to nationals in 2017. And this is um, – I realize I'm just storytelling at this point, but I, I apologize. That's okay. Um, no. So at this point, my life was kind of in shambles. Like uh, I was going through a divorce – um, I had lost one company, my supplement company, and I had gotten kicked out of another company by my business partners. How does that happen in terms of uh, the companies? How do you lose one and get kicked out by the other? Is that like? Well, the, the supplement company was a partnership between myself and Bodybuilding.com, and it just didn't do as well as they thought it was going to do. Okay. And they already had Jim Stepani, so they already had kind of the science guy. And I think they just kind of looked at um, mine, and they were kind of like, why are we putting energy into this? And no hate towards Bodybuilding.com. Like I never would have had the opportunity if it wasn't for them. I, I can never say a negative word about bodybuilding.com because I never I wouldn't even be where I am today if it wasn't for them. So this is no shade at them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They made a business decision. Fair. Um, so but then the other one was I can talk about it now because I don't have an, I don't have the, the non-disclosure, but you know, I don't want to throw shade at people. Um, I made certain mistakes as well, but uh, basically I had helped start this company. And, um, it was a like online, like nutrition coaching, essentially like a website that would calculate, you know, your nutrition for you. And, um, I come into what I think is a business meeting one day and there's an attorney there and they're like, yeah, you're out. And, um, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, they, they basically accused me of competing with their company for my website BioLane because it had a, a, a workout builder which they weren't even they weren't even doing exercise at the time. Hmm. So anyway, they, they they that's at least what they said. I mean, maybe they were trying to get more of the company for themselves. I mean, who knows? It was doing the company was doing very well at the time. I remember. I think I remember this company. Yeah, and I remember and I pre- the, the service. It was very popular. I knew people up here. Very in popular. Canada doing yeah, it. yeah, I think we had like twenty five thousand members when I was uh, kicked out. Yeah. So at this point, like that's 70% of my income just goes away right there. Um, and I'm like, like, you know, I remember being so despondent. Like I called my parents. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to support my kids. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, it was just, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to get sympathy or anything like that. Like, you know, I made bad business decisions and I made some bad personal decisions as well. And regardless of bad things happening to you, Typically, you're the common denominator. So this was shit that had built up in my life. And yeah, maybe I had some people take advantage of me, but I also allowed that to happen mm-hmm. by not taking care of certain things. So anyways, then you can't just kick somebody out of equity. Um, 
a long court battle started. So Jeez. they, I was going through a divorce at the time, didn't have much disposal, didn't have much disposable income. They stopped paying me, obviously, um, and they also sued me. Um, in my opinion, frivolously, uh, they sued me, and I didn't have a non-compete, so they couldn't sue me for breaking a non-compete. But they, I think it was called, um, I violated my fiduciary fiduciary duty or something like that. Um, because of the company I'd already had for 12 years, BioLane, for our, our website, our workout builder, all this kind of stuff. Like I, it was, it was bad. Um, it was, it, again, I, I don't know what their intention is. And th- I'm sure in their minds, they felt that they were very justified. Um, I felt like it was kind of trying to strong arm me into taking less than my shares were worth. Um, because, you know, you can't kick somebody out of equity. You got to pay them something for their shares. Yeah. Um, Long story, uh, I don't want to go into the specifics of the legal battle, but uh, we we they walked out of a few media or they they canceled a few mediations. Finally, uh, through some maneuvering by my attorneys, who were awesome, um, we kind of forced them into a spot where they kind of had to mediate, um, and we mediated and came to a, a pretty fair deal. And um, you know, uh, no shade towards them, um, like. Again, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. It, like, honest to God, um, that company was kind of sucking the soul out of me. And um, even though, like, I lost seventy percent of my income, that, like, the desperation of having no income is what made me write my first book. And then I wrote a couple others, and now they're the books are doing awesome. And hopefully, that company's doing well. You know, and and you I know, never heard of the probably, company since. Hopefully, though. best for everybody. I've never heard of the company since, though. Is it still around, even? Um, I think so. Uh, I, I don't, like, I kind of treat that like a, an X, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you don't man, go okay. to the Instagram, <laughs> you don't, you don't go to the Facebook, yeah, like, cause yeah. it's, you're just not going to feel good. That's you know right. what I mean? Right. If they're doing bad, you're not going to feel good just because you're, you have bad feelings. And if they're doing good, you're not going to feel good. So yeah. I kind of look at that as like, how could I be still mad? Because it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So for people listening, if you use the service or you're interested in the service, like don't not use it because of me, you know, like, um, you know, if you like it, use it, like, don't feel bad for me, just buy my shit too. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so, um, but at that time, so raw nationals 2017 was coming up. Um, I did that nationals. I finished seventh. Um, I actually strained my pec like a few weeks out, (laughs) um, even though bench press isn't a big part of my total, it is still part <laughs> yeah, of my total. Yeah. So um, I did hit a 655 squat that got red lighted that I still feel like was a good squat. Actually, the weird part was I called for 650 and they misloaded one side. It was 655. Oh, and on I hit it anyway. Wow. And even like I remember Gino losing his mind and they wouldn't give me a relift because it was um, they said that like the, the jury didn't see it. Nobody saw it, but they wouldn't take video evidence. And we oh. had the evidence, but you know what? It was fine because if that was a pretty tough squat, if I'd taken a fourth attempt, I probably wouldn't have hit the deadlift that I had later. So I actually hit a PR deadlift, like in spite of all that chaos, all that kind of stuff. I just remembered I wasn't going to win, but I was like, "We are, we're, I'm going home fucking happy today." Yeah. This was like three weeks after I got kicked out of this company, and hit a 325 kilo deadlift, which was a PR for me. So I was pretty emotional with that deadlift PR. But, you know, in the next six months, we're all attorneys and stress and like um, and I actually re-injured my back again 
in the midst of all that. It was just like it was like you want to talk about your just whole life imploding. Like I know this you know. this is like how in terms of coping with all this, usually they say something's going wrong on your personal life, you got work. Something's going wrong at work, you got your personal life. Something's going wrong with those two, you got powerlifting or hot. Now nah, we're just gonna take all that yes. shit lane. Talk about yeah. strength of character. You know, you were so, getting tested. So yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, there's people who go through far worse than all that shit. But for me, it was definitely the worst time of my life, mm-hmm. and I've always had lifting to be able to do. But you know what? Even when I was at my most like despondent, this would have been like December, January of 2017, 2018. I was like, "You are going to come back from this." And I, as cheesy as it sounds, I would put on motivational speeches every fucking morning just to get myself out of bed, and I, I would just tell myself, "You are going to get through this." Just keep your feet moving because mm. if you just give up, eventually you're going to get through this and it's going to yeah. be done. But if you, you, if you quit working right now, you're going to be further back. You know? Did, did you so like? Was, did you ever stop? Did you ever had moments where you broke down, felt sorry for yourself, or you were like, Oh me. yeah, sure, of course, yeah. I'm human. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm human. I don't. I'm not too. But I usually pull myself out of that pretty quick. And my my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife Holly. She's very direct, so she's, you know, but we were, like, she was really struggling, too, because she had moved from Australia, had no friends, nothing. We were going through all this shit, and, um, you know, so it was one day, it was me talking her off a ledge, and the next day, be her talking me <laughs> off a ledge, you know, but she, you know, she would tell me, you know, you, you, you have two choices. You can either quit, or you can keep going, and yeah. I mean, as, as fucking cliche as that sounds, it's the truth, right? Yeah. So... I just, you know, I got with Stu McGill, um, worked with him, you know, kind of got an idea. And uh, like, I just, I just said to myself, I'm like, if there's a way back, I'm going to find it, you know? And for me, you know, people were like, oh man, you have so much dedication. You go to the gym. I'm like, that's not fucking dedication. I love the gym. It's dedication (laughs) for me to stay out of the gym. Like for me to keep a barbell off my back. That's what takes dedication. Right. So six months, didn't touch a barbell. Right. Had in the words of Stu McGill had to earn the right to get back under a barbell. Oh, wow. So I was doing all core strengthening stuff, you know, planking, like just building up my core strength and also allowing my back to heal. I had um, he's like, you know, I've seen far, far worse than you. He's like, but, you know, you're pretty little jacked up. You know, (laughs) it's like he's like, but you're he's like your back structure. Your back structure is good. He's like, you don't have scoliosis or anything like that. You've got bulged and some herniated discs, but that's not abnormal for your age. We can get you pain-free. Um, and then if you just keep doing this stuff, you can – so like I always tell people like that you see me squatting like over 600 pounds now or whatever it is. But the shit that got me there was really boring shit that I didn't want to do, yeah. right? Like I was doing bird dogs every day. It was doing these stupid 10-minute walks every day that I don't want to do. I want to go squat. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what allowed me to, to get back to that. He also thought that moving up to the 105 kilo class uh, might make me a little bit more durable. So that's was the where the decision kind of came from from that. Plus, um, Ashton Ruska, although it looks like he may be doing 105 now, so I got to figure out what the fuck to do. <laughs> but um, you know what? I'm I'm not even worried about that because right now I I mean I'm a I'm a realistic guy. I'm not close to the top guys yet. <laughs> so. Um, I did a meet in April. It was, you know, my first meet in like 18 months and uh, squatted 606, pulled 628, bench 381. 
not great numbers. I mean, you know, respectable, qualified me for Raw Nationals. So I'm doing Raw Nationals. Um, I haven't registered for it yet, but I'm going to do it soon. And um, I'm just excited to to get back on the platform at a big meet. And you know what? Like people are like, I, I have people all the time say things like, well, you know, it's pa- the game's passed you by. Um, you know, w- what if you never get back to what you were? Or you never get to. T- I'm like, I, I, I'll, yeah, it might happen. You know, that's a possibility. You know, I may never get back to 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 the level I was. I may never go to another world championship. But I, I'm okay with that as long as I try. If I give it everything I've got and I don't make it, then I'm not going to be ashamed of that. You know, that's, that's, I, I can't be ashamed of that because you, you know, you, nobody can judge my effort. You know, I, I, I may sound a little arrogant, but you can say whatever you want. I will fucking bury you in the gym. You know, if it comes down to, if it comes down to who wants it more, there's nobody who fucking wants it more than me. So I'm going to put all the work in. And then if I don't get there, then it's just, Hey, it wasn't, it, it just wasn't for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody was, maybe people were better genetically, better structure, you know, whatever it was, but it's not going to be because I didn't put the work in. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe I'll never get there, but I won't know if I don't try. Right. So, but that's the hard thing is that's a, that's a shot to the ego. It's very hard to, to put your goals out there because then you have to be accountable to somebody. But I fucking love doing that. I, I'm the worst kind of person. Cause I tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And then I go and do it. Yeah. So I'm like, when I, the day my back went out where I was like on the ground, couldn't even move. I'm like, I remember saying there are going to be those of you who are making fun of me and you're going <laughs> to eat those fucking words. I promise. <laughs> so, um, they're pretty quiet now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Here's the thing. People who try to knock other people down for put themselves out there like that and trying, they're setting themselves up. When you make fun of someone for trying and failing, you're internalizing that yourself. You yourself are not going to try for fear of failure. That's how 90% of the population or maybe higher walking around stay in the comfort zone and are afraid to reach. And that's why they don't do those things. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's – listen – I, I like my comfort zone as much as anybody, but I also know that that's not where I'm going to do good shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and, and that's why, like, my wife probably pushes me outside the comfort zone more than anybody else in the world. And I'm like, can you, you just, know, um, that's, when it's a good, that's when it's a good one. That's when you yeah, got a good yeah. one. So she's gotten into powerlifting too. Like she's, she's done a, she's done a, a little bit herself. Holly, uh, at her last meet, she, uh, she had a little, she got red lighted on squats, but she's hit, uh, 275 for a double in the gym as a like she she's about 66 67 kilos when she competed but she did hit a uh 350 some pound deadlift so she's she's getting a little total on her she she's just missed qualifying for nationals next year the plan is we're gonna do nationals together so that would be that would be cool and she got the bug now because she's done like in terms of the bodybuilding but is she also starting to transition because once you start getting that bug and chasing numbers she she definitely will continue to compete in powerlifting, but I mean, she's like a world-class physique competitor. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, if you've ever seen like pictures of Holly, like she's a genetic mutant, you know. Yeah. So um, that's always kind of kind of be her primary. But she does like she was a track star uh, when she was younger, so she um, she, uh, she loves the competition aspect of it. You know, like we had Gino announcing it at the meet. I remember when I found out he was announcing, I was like, oh my god, babe, you are like. 
you are in for a treat. Just yeah. wait. So after every lift, he's like, Ozzy, 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 you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Holly loved it, you know. But it's just that kind of atmosphere. That's why I tell people if you've ever been in bodybuilding, like natural bodybuilding has a good camaraderie. It's not as catty as like uh, some of the, the untested organizations, but there's nothing like powerlifting. I mean, the I just – I remember I was at the Arnold last year and I just was like talking to people. I'm like, fuck, I just miss the community, you yeah. know. Like I just miss the people. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing everybody backstage, I, I just, I just missed that. So I'm really excited to go back to nationals. Like I'm, I'm fucking pumped and you know, I'm, I'm starting to get some decent numbers on there. I, I, I you guys put me up on the page, which I appreciate, you know, that's, that's yep. fucking yeah. awesome. Um, probably don't deserve to be there number wise, but, uh, well, you know, here's the thing though. So I've been following the story and for anyone who has, when you talk about six months of doing like dead bugs and planks and shit like that, all right have some people need like a realistic barometer go through that go through that then start pulling it to the 600s for triples again and start seeing the momentum and everybody knows if you've been following who you are we've seen what you're capable of so it's an indication we're along a journey i like showing people stories as well on the page and people to see not just wait it's easy to jump on hey look lane's back when you start hitting the numbers you were hitting before oh now i'm starting to repost and tell you a story the story's now you know what I mean? The story yeah. right now that people need yeah. to hear it. But uh, well, that's what I. That's what I. There's actually a guy in my gym who um, he tore his bicep. Uh, one of the gyms I go to, and you know what? A week after he tore one bicep, he's in there in his brace and he's lifted on the other side because there's actually uh, research that shows if you train the side that's not injured, it actually helps you retain strength on the other side. No shit. Um, yeah, it's, it's you won't retain all your strength. But no, you, retra- you retain about ten percent more than if you didn't train at all. Wow. Uh, so he's in there, you know, doing that stuff, and every single day I'm in there, I see him, and I actually put a story up today, where I kind of introduced in my channel. I was like, "See, y'all think that like these these comebacks are just like random or something? No, yeah. this is the shit you don't see. Yeah. This is the stuff that you don't see. You don't see the boring stuff that yeah. nobody will see. Yeah, it's awesome to get on Instagram and see like, you know, Russ hitting fucking crazy weights and he looks like a mutant. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to get on to say, oh, well, Lane's doing bird dogs again. You know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> that was my Instagram he, he just for hit like a, six months. You he know? hit a plank PR like, five minutes. It was amazing. I watched it all. I watched the whole yeah, five minutes static plank. <laughs> here's, here's me carrying a 50-pound dumbbell around the way on one side. <laughs> that's oh, right. Boy. That's right. But, like, that's what allowed me to, to get back. And, you know, I, I love talking about the injury stuff. And, um, you know, it's just – I think – when you can make people feel like they're not alone and, um, you know, I would say, you you know, I I take the David Goggins approach. Don't know if you guys are familiar with David Goggins, but, um, like you're not special. You know what I mean? Like you're not special. You think, you think your situation, like you're the only person that's gone through this shit. No, you're not special. Like, and a phrase I use a lot is somebody took what you're bitching about and dominated with it. Yeah. I mean, so stop whining. Like I'll talk about my injury. It's not meant to come out whining. Some people think it's whining or, or, you know, being dramatic. It's to show you to show everybody, but I'm also doing the work, Mm -hmm. right? I have, I have one, if I could say I have one life motto, it would be, I'm not allowed to bitch about anything that I'm not working to make better. If I'm working to make it better, uh, I can bitch about it. There you go. But yeah. if I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna put in the work to change it, then I better shut my mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like you know, people say I had somebody today. Even like I was uh, I was Instagram living my bench 
355 for three. <laughs> Not uh, massive, but it was a nice post-injury PR for me. And um, somebody was like, oh, you're so you're so dramatic. And anybody who's seen my lifts, yes, I'm, I am going to make a lot of noise. I'm going to stomp around, and I'm going to say something to the camera afterwards, you know. But that's like that's how I have fun. Yeah. Like people don't realize like I'm not angry. I don't think I'm a superhero or any shit like that. I'm just having fun. Like mm-hmm. that's fun for me. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna let you know, if you talk shit, I'm gonna let you know about it, you know. <laughs> but like people are like, Oh, you're so dramatic. I'm like, Well, this is dramatic for me. Like a six hundred pound dead somebody said something, I think it was on your page, they're like Somebody telling me he's deadlifting and not like curing cancer. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm fully aware of that. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> but just because it's not meaningful to you, doesn't mean it's not meaningful to me. Yeah. And that like being able to like that is like a, I got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm praising Jesus. You know what I mean? Like I'm able to pull 600 pounds again. And I'm pain free. Like I'm just yeah. fucking happy. Life yeah. is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't understand. Like what's Everything, you don't know what other people have been through. You don't know what kind of baggage they're bringing in. And the journey, just to get to that point, you know, if someone's joyous about it, you know there's a story behind it. You know, everybody's, uh, you have to pay your dues to get there. And now maybe people start realizing, oh, okay, six months not doing anything. And then start grabbing a barbell and work up. Yes, start getting to 600 for repetitions. That's a long journey back. You know, and you know uh, what? Like, you, okay, people say, "All right, well, there's." I, I think somebody said there's girls his weight that are pulling that. Yeah, probably are. No, there isn't. Uh, but, no, there isn't. <laughs> but anything, right? but um, you know, judge me now, and you judge me prematurely because I haven't shown you everything yet. So it's a work in you know, progress. We're a it's a work nine. in progress, right? And I know, I know that like this year, um, if I'm, be- I think I'll put up a good total at Raw Nationals. Uh, but it's probably not going to be a total that lands me in the top five or probably even the top 10. Um, but you know what, like we're going to, we're going to use it to build mm-hmm. and, um, I'm going to go out and have an awesome time and, but I'm going to treat it like I'm going to win, you know, in terms of like, I'm going to get every ounce I can out of my total. But when you um, see Ashton, you be like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, like, like your buddy Ryan, that. fuck that motherfucker. Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> No, that, that kid's just a god. Yeah, he's a freak. He, he the first time I saw him at Raw Nationals, I think he was like twenty years old or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Is that what a milestone <laughs> knockout human looks like?" My God, yeah, like just crazy. But you know, like again, like he's actually sent me really nice messages and been very supportive. Like most of the guys have ex- been extremely supportive. Like Ray Williams has sent me messages. Yeah. Um, Dennis Cornelius, like a lot of the top lifters have said, you know, like we're, we're rooting for you, you know, and that's, that's great to hear because, um, that again, that's, I just love the camaraderie. You know what I mean? Like those guys are awesome. And, um, I just love, I, I miss it. Like I, I can't wait to get back. I, I'm, I got goosebumps just talking about it. Like I'm fucking pumped. Right, what's what, what is the end goal? Do you think, um, what are some of the numbers do you want to hit? Cause you hit that eight, you got a 500, you hit some nice round numbers. You got the 500 Wilkes. Uh, I know we don't do Wilkes anymore, but still, you can still break out that calculator. 506. Don't don't rob me those. Okay, okay, that's all right. That's right. right. Um, 800 pound or 800 kilo total. What are the numbers? Do you want to get back where you're like you you start believing again? Like holy shit, this can happen. I'm already starting to believe. Um, 
just based on like things are feeling good. I pulled um, 615 for a triple last week and it moved smoother than the 600. Um, I think my deadlift right now is probably high 600s. Like if I, if I peaked, I would, I think I'd probably be around 680, 690 mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, I think my squat would be around like 630, 635, something like that. I think bench press is getting close to the high threes, like 395, something getting, like that. We're getting close so, right there. We're getting close. Yeah, so we're, we're getting we're getting there. Um, you know, I think obviously in the 105 kilo class, you got to be around 1900 pounds if you want to be competitive. Like that's that's where you're. That's where you know the Eli Burks and the and the Garrett Blevins and, and Bryce Lewis and I mean that it's not like I, I didn't go up to the easier weight class. You no. know what I mean? Like no, it's not, th- there's this. a murderer's row in yeah. 105s. You know, um, so uh, but I like you know. Part of me is like, man, you know, like I look at Bryce. Bryce moved up, and look what happened to his total. How much you know? do you weigh right now, though? Are you because those guys are huge? Some of those guys are big. Yeah, so I'm about 102 kilos right now. Uh, the plan is I was up to 104 and a half, and then I cut down for my wedding. And also, like I just felt like I'd gotten everything I could out of that gaining phase. Um, the plan is to kind of get up to like slowly over time, like be walking around 106, 107, and then cut back to 105. Um, but I mean, if you look like when I was at worlds, I was the tallest guy there by like four inches, yeah. you know, like other than Christoph, cause Christoph is actually kind of tall. He like, is. He's about five, nine, five, ten, I think. I think he might um, be taller than that. I'm five, nine. He was, really, I felt like he's, he's also built like a fucking mutant. He God. Is, he is definitely chiseled. Yeah. It, but like, yeah, but you know, he's kind of like got that Ed Cohn build where like his, 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 you know, if you've ever met Ed Cohn. He's just so weirdly put together, you know, but he's perfect for powerlifting because he doesn't have real long femurs. He's got really long forearms, but very short upper arm. Like it actually looks weird, you know, and then his (laughs) hands are like fucking crazy looking. They're just big old gorilla hands, you know. So he's actually built perfectly for powerlifting because like your bench press stroke is not about how long your arms are. It's about how long your upper arm is. So if you've got a really long lower arm and short upper arm, you you know you go to deadlift and bench press, which is rare. Oh no, yeah. And that yeah. that thing about Kristoff, like he's people know him as a puller, but he's got a good squat and bench press too. Like yeah. he is not bad at those lifts at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's you know, the goal, the ultimate goal, go back to worlds. I I would uh, you know, I'm 37 years old. I know people say you're too old. Blah 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 blah. Well, there's been a long line of people that have bet against me my entire career in bodybuilding, powerlifting, and academics and business, and they can just fucking get in line with everybody else that's been betting against me and see if they can cash out that loan. Yeah. So, well um, said. Well yeah, said. we're gonna we're gonna give it everything we got, and we'll see what happens. You know, I would love to be. There's part of me that's like, man, I beat Bryce before. You know, I beat LS before. They both became you know. world champions too. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. And don't, listen, that's like I was super happy for LS to win world championships, but there's a part of me that's like, fuck, that could have been me, <laughs> yeah. you know? I should, if yeah. I had, if I hadn't gotten injured, because I think he did. He win in 2016 or 2017. Uh, 17 and 18 back to back. Yeah, and then um, and didn't win th- this past one in Sweden. Right, and then obviously Bryce won in the 105s in in Calgary yeah. 18. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's part of me that like, man, that that could have been me, but like. Not in a, I'm not not in a jealous way. Just in a like disappointed in myself for missing the opportunity because I made mistakes like trying to work through my hip injury when it was obvious that I just needed to let it rest and I'm just too hard headed. Um, so yeah, but but 
like, yeah, there's part of me that's like, you beat him before, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe if you get close enough, they'll hear the footsteps. (laughs) I don't, you know, it's, 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 it's different now. I mean, I know, you know, Bryce has got to have a lot of confidence now. Um, you know, he, uh, I don't want to put too much of his stuff out there, but I think he kind of talked about how he struggled with confidence at meets. Oh yeah. No, no, this is, this is well-documented by Bryce. Yeah. And he actually went up to me at the Arnold, you know, in 2015 and, and kind of talked to me, um, after, um, cause he was in the 93s there and I had beaten him there and he, he was kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to screw up what he said, but he was like, you're, you're like really mentally tough. You know, he's like, how did you develop that? Like, like, He's like, cause you just, he's like, it just seems like if you're in the meet, you're going to win. He's like, and you just don't miss lifts when it's, when it's, I think LS actually gave me a shout out at Worlds. He's like, man, I'm glad Lane wasn't here. Cause if he needed 800 pounds on the bar to pull it to win, he'd probably do it. I, I think that's what he said. I could be misphrasing what he said, but I apologize LS if I mischaracterized it. Um, but I, I love those guys and I'm always happy to see them doing well. Uh, but I said to him, you know, I was like, well, you know, how do you train? Cause I train like I'm at the meet. Like I train amped up. People say, well, that's bad. You should like save that for the meet. But I think it's good because I get to the meet and like, I'm used to nerves. You know, I'm used to being jacked up. I'm used to having butterflies. Like I have butterflies every squat session. Can you keep that up though without burning out? Cause I felt sometimes I'll burn, like I can't maintain it for that long. I think that's more about just controlling your overall fatigue level. You know what I mean? But I've trained that way for so long. I think that I'm just used to it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing people don't understand is like people will see that. I'm not doing that on fucking curls. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, like people are like, oh, you're, you're so killing calves. Fucking crushing that calf machine. I'm I'm not even doing that for like tempo squats. You know what I mean? Like this is just for like main heavy lifts that I'm getting this way. Yeah. But I was like, you know, maybe you need to train with – because he was like, no, I train really relaxed, you know, like really – like that's how he – he's like a Mike share type, very calm, you know. I was like, well, maybe train with more nerves or, you know, whatever. But then, you know, I think he went and saw a sports psychologist, he said, and then uh, Matt Gary started kind of handling him at meets. And I think that that – you know, when you've got Matt handling you and you kind of – like it kind of – you don't have to worry so much because you know it, Matt's not going to put something on the bar that you can't do. It's like you know? bringing – it's like having a fight after school and you being you bring your big brother with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? You exactly. feel better. You're a little more confident. Yeah, I mean, Matt Gary is just like I tell people, I'm like, just the amount of knowledge that guy has on powerlifting is incredible. You know, you just if you get a chance to speak to Matt Gary, just sit and listen and yeah. shut up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe ask questions. We we have a preview show for all the big uh, events. And um, we have Matt Gary all the time because he brings a dossier in every single person, one through 10. And we do picks and I make other people do the picks before Matt goes. Because as soon as Matt says his pick, he Everybody's picking like, his. Yeah, everybody. And he's so convincing. And it's like, holy shit, man. This guy could sell me that this guy from freaking China no one's heard of is about to win because he knows everything about him. He's like, well, you know, I heard he's been fighting with his girlfriend and he had this diet. How the fuck do you oh know Oh, my this, God. Matt? Yeah, he knows. He's got dossiers on people. I'm like, Matt, did you work wow. for the CIA or what's going on? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. He knows his stuff. Uh, but that's but, why he's that's why he's the best. You know, I yeah. mean, he's he is the best meet day coach there is, and I, I say that with no disrespect to anybody else. Um, but yeah, he's the best meet day coach there is. If you and I think the statistics bear that out. Like if you look at how many of his lifters miss lifts, it's not many. No, and um, he knows all the strategy. Matt one hundred percent is right when he says the stronger man doesn't always win, the stronger woman doesn't always win. If you show up there and you're thinking, well, we'll just throw weight on the bar and we'll see what happens. That's not. He, 
it's dumbing it down to a level you shouldn't be handling if you think that. You shouldn't even be handling. You should be coaching or lifting, but you should not be handling if you don't understand. And a lot of it's on the lifter to, to kind of bury your ego a little bit. Like, PRs are nice, but I've seen a lot of people lose because they were chasing PRs. Yeah, and a you lot know? of people win who never hit a PR that day. What's that? And a lot of people win who never hit a PR that yeah, day. Yeah, so um, actually Raw Nationals 2015 is a great example of that. I did not PR on any one lift, and I, but I did PR my total by two pounds. And I, 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 I won after Jesse was disqualified, but I, I won, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, but I remember like, you know, I hit 668 in Finland and I hit uh, like six, I think it was 639 for my second at Raw Nationals. And Ben was like, we're going to go 300 kilos. It's you're, you look good today, but I think this is the right call. I was like, Ben, don't have to explain it to me. I'm fine with 300 kilos. That's, yeah. that's still a, a damn good squat, you yeah. know? So, it's, you know, I, if, if it's not there, it's not there. If it's there, awesome. If it's not there, hey, shit happens. Yeah, it's people just want to chase PRs and not realize it's all about getting those nine lifts in. Um, listen, we, we've had you for an hour and 20, Lane, in uh, super, like, I'm glad we had you on. I hear tons of podcasts and stuff with you, and um, you got, like, obviously so much in terms of um, – on dieting and all that advice, but I, I'm a sucker for a good story, and you have a phenomenal story, and you're a great storyteller, my friend. Oh, you, thank you. You are a hell of a storyteller. It's because I talk a lot. <laughs> you're a good storyteller. Before we let you go, is there anybody you want to thank, and um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you both for uh, dieting advice, coaching advice, and all your endeavors that you got on, go, on the go right now? Oh, there's a ton of people I could thank. I mean, my my old coach Ben, my current coach Andres, uh, Andres Vargas of the Strength Cave, um, uh, Stu McGill. You know, you guys, just everybody in the USA. Like, I there's so many names. You know, and I'm gonna fuck up and miss somebody, so I apologize. <laughs> um, like, and what you guys do for the sport is great. Like, people don't realize like this didn't fucking exist. 10 years ago, <laughs> even five years ago. Yeah. Like the fact that you get to be exposed to the best lifters in the world, like that is so great. So, I mean, you guys probably don't get told enough, but thank you guys for what you do. Thank you. Cause it's, it's really important. It's really important. Cause it's what helps our sport grow. Um, and, um, my wife, Holly, like she's been, you know, she, she don't, <laughs> she's definitely a Ben escrow type. She ain't going to always tell you what you want to hear, but she's going to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking to get your uh, ego padded or uh, just have somebody say something nice to you, Holly isn't always the right person to go to, <laughs> but she pushes me outside my comfort zone, which is what I need. Um, and I also know that when she gives me a compliment, she fucking means it. So um, definitely big ups to her, um, my whole team here. So I actually don't do coaching anymore because I'm too busy with writing and, and working on, we have a ton of projects coming out, but we have a team of coaches that work under Holly and I. So, um, and that team, uh, is, uh, David Mathis, Noah Lee, Sarah Ford, James Longstrom, uh, Nina Sillick, and, uh, soon to be Keith Crocker. They're awesome. We have an amazing team. This is our office. We opened an office. Like I'd always worked from home. We actually have an office now. We're like legitimate. Um, our 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 media guy Chino Marin. He produces all of our video content and uh, our podcast that's going to be coming out. Um, like my, I, I'm just so fortunate to have a, a great team, um, you know, behind me. And um, you know, like uh, because we, I can't really say very much about like all the stuff we got coming, but. We're going to be hitting with a lot of heavy hitter shit in the next couple of years. Like we've got some really awesome stuff coming out. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. Also, my the guy who runs my website, Chris Bacuza, he's he's been uh, my business partner for probably five years now. He's been with me through thick and thin. He's awesome. And then everybody in the USAPL, IPF, like, you know, people want to complain about the IPF and certain stuff. And you know what? Like, here's the deal. Powerlifting is what it is today because we have organizations like the IPF. I get that you may not always agree with their rulings. I'm not going to say there's no politics. There's politics in every sport, okay? The fact of the matter is, if you're fucking good, you end up doing well. All right? So stop bitching and get to work. That's kind of my... If, if, if you're complaining about, like, everybody has a bad call here and there. Like, uh, like my squad at uh, 2017 Nationals, I thought I hit that I got two red lights on. Well, you know what? In 2015, Arnold, I jumped the press command and I got two whites. So, you know what? That was <laughs> my car. There you go. <laughs> um, it was my first bench press. I remember I actually, like, I just I was, like, on autopilot. I went out there. It was 358. Went down, paused for what I thought I should have, and started. And I was like, oh, fuck, I jumped that. <laughs> Racked it, saw two whites. It was like, <laughs> let me get off this platform quick. So, get the other the, guy the out head there. judge came up to me and he's like, I know you jumped. <laughs> he wanted to let you know. And I was like, I, I did. I looked at him. I go, I did. And I know I'm about to get the longest press call in the history of the IPF for my next attempt, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, that, that's actually another funny story. So Gino came up to me. He's like, was the music too loud? Like, <laughs> he's like, well, I'm like, nah, man, I just jumped it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's what like, do you want me to tell you? Oh. I jumped it. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, so that was probably my karma. So now my, my sheet should be even, you know, yeah, so I should be, we're good. should be, let's good. move but forward like, then. That's what I tell people. Like you're in this game long enough. You're going to get some calls. You're going to miss some calls. Like don't bitch about it. Like just, yeah. Take it on the chin. The judges, listen, the judges don't have it out for you. The judges ain't getting paid for what they're doing. They're volunteering their time. Shut the fuck up and lift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, you, if you think that they're out to get you, then you really have some kind of complex and think you're really special. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're not special. They don't even know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. It- so anyway, so all that to say, thank you to the IPF and USAPL for all the opportunities I've had. Um, you know, hopefully I get a chance to go back to worlds. If not, you know, I'll, I have nothing but good things to say about USAPL IPF. Like they, it's awesome. If you've never lifted there, I encourage everybody to lift there. Like if you're drug free, it's, it, it, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. Agreed. There's nothing like the world champ. I've been commentating like four years now. It doesn't get old. It does. Like every world's you feel it. Yeah, I still get tingles. I still it, you, it you go to another organization and they have a world championships because one dude flew in from Canada. You yeah. know what I mean? But <laughs> or he drove go to, down. <laughs> go to IPF, and I, I remember. I remember this was a surreal feeling when I was warming up. I'm like warming up, looking at twenty one other twenty other dudes, and I'm like, all these motherfuckers are world champions in their or sorry, national champions in their country. Yeah. All over the world, they That's converge. crazy to think about. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Share an elevator on the way down and hear three different languages in the elevator, and you'll realize, oh, this is different. No, this is different. Yeah. People went different time zones all over the world to end up in one spot, and we're all going to do battle. And tell me it's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. it's beautiful. You know thing. what? We don't always speak the same language, but the weight... It's always the same on the bar. It don't this, lie. That's true, too. The gravity is gravity. Listen, Lane, that's thank right. you for coming on, man. Um, I mean, best luck to you. I would love 
to commentate your return to the IPF World Championships. Uh, keep in touch, my friend. And, and Absolutely. Uh, gr good luck in training. Thank you, guys. See you, buddy. What a hell of a storyteller, man. You can't listen. You can't. Um, I mean, in terms of how positive he is, and he, he's, if anybody could feel sorry for themselves, look, I get it. Like he had said himself. Like he, he would not let himself tell his story and not mention as well, there are people out there who got worse. Look, I, I had personal life, going through divorce, lost my bi two businesses I was in, massive injury, nothing in terms of his life, the big pieces he had, all of them were, were cracking and breaking at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's fucking, that's wild, man. Yep. And, and to think, it, 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 like, you know, in that moment is when you got to pull yourself together and be like, I'm coming back. And when people, so when people watch a video and they're like, yeah, I mean, you're celebrating some shit that you would hit before. He's like, you don't, you don't know what I did to get here. You don't know the bridges I had to build to cross those gaps to get here. You have no idea. Yeah, you never know what someone's going through and you, what's going on behind the scenes. You have no idea what people are going through, man, yeah. and how much courage they're showing, courage under fire they're showing to get to that point. So when you're like, I don't get it, it's not a big deal, whatever, it's like, man, that person, like, it shows more character for some people to reach a number that whatever uh, is... is will set them 10th, then some people walk in there and it's an easy breezy. You know what I mean? That's not the story that people are looking for. And um, so so that's when I seen that. I was like, I'm reposting this, man. If Lane's coming back, like, I mean, he's pushing some numbers now. And if you've seen where he came from, you know, it's an inspiring story. And just hearing him, you know, um, we need people like that. You know, we need people who are positive. And you had so many different types of injuries, too. Like, you had the herniated disc. You mentioned. You had the, the pecs. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned it, man. He's uh, he's been through it all. You know, uh, you you. T it also makes you, like you said, you're not you're not special. It makes you gut check yourself and be like, hey, fuck me, am I? I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a pussy. <laughs> Lane, Lane does not feel sorry for. He's rebounding and killing killing it. I got like I can rebound too. That's why also I like these stories too. By the way, is um, we all draw inspiration from each other. I read autobiographies of people all the time, all different athletes, whatever. And and why I have these lifters on every single week or, or a couple times a week, I'm blessed to hear some of their stories. I've heard some crazy stories from people that you would never see coming. And they come on here and be like, let me tell you. When CC Holcomb came on here and said, and I asked her, why did you start powerlifting? She's like, when I was 13, um, a family member held me down and, and, and molested me. And I started lifting weights like nobody will ever out you know, overpower me again. And I was like, holy shit, was that like one of the realest moments yeah. that I've ever been a part of that someone just looked at me in the eye and I was like, I mean, that's, <laughs> so many fuck people. me, you just got shivers. Like, God damn, yeah. CC. And be like, so that's when I hit weights. Like, you know, I'm not, I'll never be a victim again. I'm not weak, I'm not, like, and I started believing I'm not weak, I'm, a, I'm strong, I'm empowered. And I think yeah, a lot man. of people have that, that, you don't know. that beginning story where maybe they were picked on at school and they wanted to get bigger, like Lane said. You man, well, that's or that's the man. That's the Spider-Man story, isn't it? Right? Like, come on, that's what that is. He, he said, "I'm no hero." I started lifting because I was getting picked on. Dude, that is a superhero story right there. Right? Yeah. I got news for you. You should watch yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, that's. I mean, that happens. This is like the exciting part where the superheroes getting uh, injured by all these bad guys. Well, so. well, listen, listen. There's a reason why I have all the superheroes 
Superman is the lamest. And nobody likes Superman. Because, A, he never does anything wrong. He's so self-righteous. Nobody can relate to him. Fuck off. You're going to hang out with Superman for the weekend? Go fuck yourself. You're going to play poker with Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're going to, you, okay? Well, are you kidding me? You're going to hang out with, and not only that, you need to be vulnerable. You need to, I want to see you struggle, bounce back, and then it, that's the awe-inspiring Rocky-type moments that everybody loves. The reason why everybody loves a Rocky story. You know, um, in sports, even though I get it, it's just sports. Sports reveal these stories to us. And, and although the sport itself is just, you name it, basketball, hockey, powerlifting, what happens in the other person, what they're bouncing back from in the middle of all that is real life shit. And when you see these people on stage too, then you know what they're, they're fighting for pretty much. Like yeah. Lane Morton, sorry, Lane Norton on stage. Yeah, man, our, one of the last podcasts, um, young lady from France and, um, Leah from France and she, she broke a world record, took a silver medal or sorry, a bronze medal overall. And, um, she, she, her whole life, she was dealing with suicide, suicidal thoughts. She had no idea she was autistic until she was 20. And she yeah. just was like, you were in that podcast, actually, as a coach. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, you would have no idea watching her in, in the whole nine. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. She thought, like, when she was a teenager, I'm going to live the rest of my life alone. I don't know what's wrong. Like, I don't understand why I'm so different. No one understands me until she found out I'm autistic. Yeah. There's a spectrum on this. I'm on that spectrum. And um, I'm functioning, but... You know, once you, once you realize and then you start, you can start to climb and power things. She said, saved her life. Man, these stories, man. It's, it's, um, and it's beautiful because, yeah, she's from France and, and wasn't sure if there was a language barrier or whatever. You have them on and people hear these stories and it's like, whoa. And I'll be watching the worlds and just cheering them on. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. Um, I love, that's why I, like, I'm, just like Lane had said in terms of, uh, Matt, how did you get on? How did you get on, like, bodybuilding.com? And how did you go in on these saying that story about someone who shot out, like, 400 emails or whatever? I shot out, I'm not shitting you, I had a spreadsheet, 300 emails to different TV producers, got one yes, flew out to an audition, landed on a reality TV show, did a full season there. During that, off the steam of that, was on Canada's Got Talent, made it to, like, quarterfinals, and then was a powerlifter, Building up the media, whatever, kind of like Lane was doing, and I was writing for, you know, writing for Inside Fitness and all this bullshit for free, for free, for years, building, and then I just shot an email to Gaston Parage, the president, just like he said, take a shot, you never know what's going to happen, take a shot, see what happens, shot an email to him, and he's like, why you, and I was like, here's what I did, and I had like a media background, and I've been powerlifting like 10 years, so... I got powerlifting, whatever, and powerlifting 10 years, got those titles, give him like powerlifting. But more than that, he's like, why? Because we've got to put you on. Now the live stream is like the Olympic channel, whatever. Like we need people who are media ready. And I was like, I literally got media trained because I was on a real TV show and all the different, like you do press junkets and shit like that. Yeah. And what, just to get there, you know how much, it's just like laid beside, yeah. will you go look you on that? Man, do you know all the shit I did before that actually came through? Yeah. It's like a oh, 10 year overnight success. Yeah. And then after 10 years, you shoot 300 fucking emails, get 299 no's, one will give you a shot, and you're still going to audition, and um, and then you finally make it. That's all you need sometimes, is just that one yes. Doesn't one yes, man. all those no's. But, and it took 10 years to build them being like, all right, fuck it, come on. Yeah. One, 10 years of doing free bullshit with your daytime job, and on the side doing free shit that gets you nowhere, for them to, one person out of 300 to actually have said yes to your email, 
then bring you to an audition that was four days long. And every single day, there was like Olympians, they wanted an athlete. I was representing powerlifting. Every day at the end of the audition, they let go of a few more people. There was like Olympic rowers and shit like that leaving. And I'm like, whew, made another day. Whew, made another day. And on the last day, there was four of us left. And there's 20 of us in the first day. I'm like, you guys just made the TV show. You're full-time cast members. And people say, you fucking overnight success, eh? You got that reality TV show, yeah. flew you all over the place. That's pretty dope, huh? I'm like, yeah, that's how it fucking went, asshole. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just fell on my lap. Just funny, huh? And now I'm doing the IPF media team. And they're like, yeah, well, how'd you get on that? Kind of like Lane said, it's like, man, the hustling I did to have the resume for him to actually look at me and be like, why you? Why you? I'm like, well, here's why. You earn it, man. You earn it. Just like Lane would be like, man, I fucking grinded. I earned what I got. It's always hard earned. Same thing for anything, just for businesses. Just got to keep throwing those proposals out there, writing a book. And that's, and that, and we, yeah, for anyone listening, this isn't just about media, whatever. You're right. It's about, like, if you got a business, take this and apply it. Not everyone's going to do planks and dead bugs for six months. But are you reconfiguring your business plan and doing the little things over and over, the meticulous things, before you launch in that shit? No, is that too boring for you? You're not going to get that business going. You got a plank. The version of planks that you need to do. You know, just relate it to your life. And that's everything, man. Everything that I've, look, I'm 40 years old. I'm a few years older than Lane, but we're kind of in the same age bracket now. And like, I feel like everybody around our age range, if you've done anything and they're like, how the fuck did you do this? It didn't just fall on anyone's lap, like King of Lifts or whatever, the following we got now, God bless. It's from community support. But the amount of days I was posting every single day and doing all these things and no one gave a shit and no one was following. And I'm like, why the hell am I even doing this? And then to now where, um, you know, yeah, you get to be a conduit for people all over the world to tell their story. And, and um, you know, people get inspired off it. I get inspired off it, man. And, you know, you could do the IPF commentary live stream and be a part of that and shit. It's amazing, man. I'm a lucky-ass man. But it didn't come. I say lucky. I'm lucky because I'm gracious. But not lucky because, well, you just, you just talk loud and they're entertaining, so you got the role. There's a lot of motherfuckers who talk loud. You know? Uh, Need you to put in the work. Remember, you're posting, like, every day. Do it and even long before any of that kind of shit, the stuff you got to build. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, I totally got inspired off, off Lane's interview. I'm ready to hit the gym now. Let's oh, yeah, you're ready to hit the gym. Through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to do some planking for six months, sir. Anyway. You're you ready to do some dead bugs and planking for six <laughs> months. Be like, I'm on the Lane Norton's slow crawl into this. I got to pace myself. And you were, you were, you were crazy uh, excited about this one. I got the bandana on and everything. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> pace yourself. But anyways, listen, to anyone listening, um, by all means, and Lane said it, it's true, put this in your Instagram stories, push this out, people deserve to hear these stories, man, it's important for our community, powerlifting is not big enough, we don't get ESPN, we don't get those big, those big mainstream coverage, all we got is us, and that's why a guy as busy as Lane is going to come on here realizing, hey man, whatever I can bring to the table, I'm going to bring to the table and try to push the powerlifting community forward, all we got is us if we're going to tell each other stories, don't pull each other back. Push each other forward and help each other out. Put the senior Instagram stories and let them hear the Lane Norton story, man, because it's a positive one. And not just Lane Norton's, but all of these lifter stories. Because God knows, man, if we're going to make it bigger and bigger stream, and we are every year, it's growing exponentially, it's because we're pushing each other forward, not getting jealous and pulling each other back. You know what I mean? Um, so from Six Pack Lapidat. Robbie Little. 
Peace.